here begins book one called the loss of friends the first verse runs the forest lion and the bull were linked in friendship growing full a jackal then stranged the friends for greedy and malicious ends and this is how it happened in the southern country was a city called Maiden's Delight. It rivaled the city of heaven's kings, so abounding in every urban excellence as to form the central jewel of earth's diadem. Its contour was like that of Kailasa Peak. Its gates and palaces were stocked with machines, missile weapons, and chariots in great variety. Its central portal, massive as Indrakila mountain, was fitted with bolt and bar, panel and arch, all formidable, impressive, solid. Its numerous temples lifted form bulk near spacious squares and crossings. It wore a more girdled zone of walls that recalled the high uplifted Himalayas. In the city, lived a merchant named Increase. He possessed a heap of numerous virtues and a heap of money, a result of the accumulation of merit in earlier lives. As he once pondered in the dead of night, his conclusions took this form. Even an abundant store of wealth, if pegged at, sinks together like a pile of shoot. A very little, if added to, grows like an anthill. Hence, even though money be abundant, it should be increased. Riches unearned should be earned. What is earned should be guarded. What is guarded should be enlarged and heedfully invested. Money, even if hoarded in commonplace fashion, is likely to go in flash, the hindrances being many. Money unemployed when opportunities arise is same as money unpossessed. Therefore, money once acquired should be guarded, increased, employed. As the proverb says, release the money you have earned, so keep it safely still. The surplus water of a tank must find a way to spill. Wild elephants are caught by tame. With capital, it is the same. In business, beggars have no scope, whose stock in trade is empty hope. If any fail to use his fate for joy in this or future state, his riches serve as foolish letters, he simply keeps them for his betters. Having thus set his mind in order, he collected merchandise bound for the city of Mathura, assembled his servants, and after saying farewell to his friends, when asterism and lunar stations were auspicious, set forth from the city with his people following and with blare of corn cell and beat of drum proceeding. At the first water he bade his friends turn back while he proceeded. To bear the yoke he had two bulls of good omen. Their names were joyful and lively. They looked good like white clouds and their chests were girded with golden bells. Presently he reached the forest lovely with grizzlies, akakia, Dharks and saws densely planted with other trees of charming aspect. 
fearsome with elephants, wild oxen, buffaloes, deer, grunting cows, boars, tigers, leopards, and bears, abounding in water that issued from the flanks of mountain, rich in caves and thickets. Here the bull lively was overcome, partly by excessive weight of the wagon, partly because the foot sank helpless where far-flung water from cascades made a muddy spot. At this spot, the bull somehow snapped the yoke and sank in a heap. When the driver saw that he was down, he jumped excitedly from the wagon, ran to the merchant not far away, and humbly bowing said, Oh, my lord, lively was weird by the trip and sank in the mud. On hearing this, merchant increase was deeply dejected. He halted the five knights, but when the poor bull did not return to health, he left caretakers with a supply of fodder and said, You must join me later, bringing lively if he lives, if he dies after performing the last sad rites. Having given these directions, he started for his destination. On the next day, the men, fearing the many drawbacks of forest, started also and made a false report to their master. Poor Lively died, they said, and we performed the last sad rites with fire and everything else. And the merchant, feeling grieved for a mere moment, out of gratitude, performed a ceremony that included rites for the departed. They journeyed without hindrance to Mathura. In the meantime, Lively, since his fate willed it, and further life was predestined, hobbled step by step to the bank of Jamuna. His body invigorated by the mist of spray from the cascades. There he browsed on the emerald tips of grass blades and in few days grew plump as Shiva's bull, high humped and full of energy. Every day he tore the tops of anthills with the goring horns and frisked like an elephant. But one day, a lion named Rusty, with a retinue of all kinds of animals, came down to the bank of Jamuna for water. There he heard Lively's prodigious below. The sound troubled his heart exceedingly, but he concealed his inner feelings, while beneath a spreading banyan tree, he drew up his company in what is called the Circle of Four. Now the divisions of the Circle of Four are given as the lion, the lion's guard, the understrappers, the menials. In all cities, capitals, towns, hamlets, market centers, settlements, border posts, land grants, monasteries, and communities, there is just one occupant of the lion's post. Relatively, few are active as lion's guard. The understrappers are indiscriminate throng. The menials are posted on the outskirts. Three classes are each divided into members high, middle, and low. Now Rusty, with counselors and intimates, enjoyed a kinship of following order. His royal office, though lacking of pomp of umbrella, fly fap, fan, vehicle, and amorous display, was held erect by sheer pride in the sentiment of unattacked pluck. It slowed broken hotness and abounding self-esteem. It manifested a native zeal for unchecked power that broke no rival. It was ignorant of cringing speech, which it delegated to those who liked that sort of thing. 
It functioned by the means of impatience, wrath, haste, and hauteur. Its manly goal was fearlessness, disdaining fawning, strange to obsequiousness, unalarmed. It made use of no wheeling artifices, but glittered in its reliance of enterprise, valor, dignity. It was independent, unattached, free from selfish worry. It advertised the reward of manliness by its pleasure in benefiting others. It was unconquered, free from constraint and meanness, while it had no thought of elaborating defensive works. It kept no account of revenue and expenditure. It knew no de deviceness nor time-serving, but was prickly with the energy earned from loftiness of spirit. It wasted no deliberation of conventional six expedients nor did it hoard weapons or jewelry. It had uncommon appetite for power, never adopted subterfuges, was never an object of suspicion. It paid no heed to wives or ambush layers, to their torrents of tears or their squeals. It was without reproach. It had no artificial training and use of weapons, but it did not disappoint expectations. It found satisfactory food and shelter without dependence on servants. It had no timidity about any foreign forest and no alarms. It was high, as the proverb says, the lion needs in forestation no trappings and no education, but lonely power and pride, and all the song his subjects sing is in the words, O king, O king, no epithet beside. And again, the lion needs for his appointing no ceremony, no anointing. His deeds of heroism bring him fortune. Nature crowns him king. The elephant is lion's meat, with drop of trickling ichor sweet. Though lack thereof should come to pass, the lion does not nibble grass. Now Rusty had in his train two jackals, son of counselor, but out of a job. The names were Cheek and Victor. They were conferred secretly, and Victor said, my dear Cheek, just look at our master Rusty. He came this way for water. For what reason does he crouch here so disconsolate? Why meddle, my dear fellow, said Cheek. There is a saying, Death pursues the meddling flunky, nor the wedge extracting monkey. How was that? asked Victor. And Cheek told the story of wedge pulling monkey. So here is my brief synopsis of the first story mr rider had changed names in the story to meet his readers in the western country names in the story were chosen by vishnu sharma very thoughtfully let's have a look at it the merchant's name that vishnu Verma gave was vardamana meaning prosperous mr rider called him increase two bulls were called Sanjeevaka and Nandaka. Sanjeevaka meaning long life and uh, Mr. Ryder named it lively whereas Nandaka meaning joyful and that's what Mr. Ryder also named it. Lion was named Pingalaka that means one who is red gold. Mr. Ryder named it Rusty. The two jackals were named Karataka, meaning horribly howling, and his name was Cheek, 
and Damanika, which means victor, and that's the same thing that uh, Mr. Ryder called. So the names of these characters signify purpose in the story. Also, the paragraph where they talk about merchant and money shows how much relevant these stories are even today. It talks about wealth if kept stagnant will go away, hence the money needs to be invested and employed. This uh, looks like anything today that we call for personal finance or even for even for the company's investment. So that's about it on this story. Let's see what the next story brings for us.